Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we will be discussing the June Book of the Month, The Inheritance Games. All right, so we are about to discuss The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. If you haven't read this book yet and you don't want to have any key plot points or surprises revealed to you, we would advise that you stop listening now. All right, so we are going to go ahead and start with just a little bit of background information about this book. So The Inheritance Games was written by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, and this is the first book in a series. So right now there are three books out, and then there is a fourth one that should be coming out later this year sometime in August. The Inheritance Games is about 384 pages, depending on what copy you get. And the genre for this book is mystery and fiction. It's also considered a young adult book. And people who will find this book very enjoyable um, will normally like the movies Knives Out. Yeah, so now that we have kind of just covered a brief, you know, what the book is, you know, this is kind of your last chance to really um, get out of here if you don't want any spoilers. So um, with that, we're going to jump into just a high-level overview of what the plot of this book is. So to start out the book, we, um, you know, we're introduced to Avery Kylie Grams, which is the character that the whole entire book is told from her point of view. Uh, Avery lives in Connecticut, and she's a junior in high school and is barely making ends meet. She lives with her sister. Her father isn't really around much, and her mother passed away, so she is forced to you know, serve as a waitress after school just to kind of barely make it through so that she can kind of pay for school. Overall, Avery is really smart and ambitious, and she has a knack for games, and she really likes to play chess, and she regularly plays chess in the park with this homeless guy named Harry, and they actually like have like a little wager on every game that they play, and basically, um, if Avery wins, she gets to buy Harry breakfast. So after we figure out who Avery is a bit more, she is surprised by lawyers at her school, and these lawyers need Avery to go to Texas for the reading of a billionaire's will, and this billionaire was Tobias Hawthorne. So both Avery and Libby go, and then at the reading of the will, she meets the Hawthorne family. Tobias Hawthorne has four grandsons that play a very large role in this book. Despite Avery not knowing Tobias Hawthorne at all, he basically gives his entire fortune to her. And the only stipulation is that she has to live in the Hawthorne house, which is a huge mansion, for a full year. And this is kind of the moment where we get the main plotline for this entire book. Why did Tobias Hawthorne, somebody that Avery didn't even know, leave his entire estate to her instead of his family? On top of a fortune, we also find out that Mr. Hawthorne left behind various clues that nobody really knows what it leads to. He always was a big lover of games, puzzles, and mysteries. And frequently, I mean, I think every single weekend, he created a mystery for his grandsons to work through. So as Avery and the grandsons are working through all of these clues that Mr. Hawthorne left, Avery learns more about the Hawthorne family. So Mr. Hawthorne's son, Toby, died in a fire 20 years ago, and the body was never really found. And then after Toby died, Mr. Hawthorne cut the entire family out of his will. And then there was also this girl named Emily who came between two of the grandsons, and she died, and, the boy, and both of the boys blamed themselves for it, even though she had a pre-existing heart condition. As Avery and the boys try to solve the riddle of why Mr. Hawthorne left his fortune to her, it quickly becomes an issue of life or death. So some of the Hawthorne family is trying to kill Avery so that she can't inherit the money. Oh, even though the Hawthorne family wouldn't get it, they still don't want Avery to have all Mr. Hawthorne's money. With the help of the grandsons, Avery is able to reach the end of all of the clues and discover that she actually did meet Mr. Hawthorne one time when she was six years old at a diner with her mom. And she only really remembers this encounter because the guy kept pointing out her name. And this is when she realizes that her name can be rearranged to spell a very risky gamble. And that's kind of how the book ends. And it's not really an answer to why Mr. Hawthorne gave Avery his fortune, but we very shortly after this, right before the book is truly over, we find out that Toby didn't actually die in the fire, but he had been living in Connecticut. And since the fire, Toby had actually been hiding from his family and has been looking after Avery and is the guy, Harry, that Avery plays chess with almost every single day. And this plot kind of sets up the sequel book, which is the Hawthorne Legacy, and um, you know it really hits the ground running. But that's a totally different book that we're not going to talk about today. Cool. So now we are going to give our ratings for this book. So I gave this book a five-word rating. Um, I decided to listen to this book in an audiobook format, and it, I think I enjoyed the audiobook format better than I would have enjoyed the physical book format because typically with more mystery books, I I tend to just not be able to spend the time to actually wait for the mystery to develop. And while this book I think is different from other mystery books, I still might have had the same problem. So I think the audiobook format helped me. Uh, read this book faster. 
I think that for me, one of my big worries before I started reading this book was the format of it because I really enjoy mystery books, but I like the ones that you can kind of pay attention to the details and guess what might happen. And you can kind of just see like whether you are going to figure it out. But I knew before I even picked this book up, that it was going to be set up in a way where you can't really do that. You're going to find out the solution to the clues at the exact same time as what's happening in the book. So you can't really like look ahead. And I actually think that was something that I was worried about, but the clues actually in the mystery altogether actually is what kind of drove the entire story in this book. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It de I, I definitely really enjoyed that we followed along Avery's journey of solving all of those mysteries rather than uh, getting them in like bits and pieces. And I think that, you know, while you're doing that and you're following Avery's journey and, you know, the clues are kind of like a side story to that, but it's, you know, really what's driving everything. It, it is nice because there's still a lot of interesting plot, like a lot of the relationships with other people. It makes this book very fascinating. And I think that that's something I really enjoyed. Um, and so even though this is like everywhere you find it, you'll see it listed as a mystery book. I don't really know if I would classify it as that. I guess the whole time you're like kind of wondering where are we going to go next, but it's not like a traditional mystery, like a whodunit where I can figure out who the killer is maybe even before then, because, um, you know, device. so it was also kind of neat to see how Avery kind of dealt with all of the social problems of being really rich and famous. And then also kind of just being thrown into the Hawthorne family and all of their problems. Um, so dealing with the media sometimes is kind of forgotten when you look into people who dream of like being rich and then they actually do become rich. I feel like that's something that's kind of just missed a lot when we talk about that topic, which is kind of interesting to see. And then um, with the Hawthorne family and those social problems of kind of being thrown into that, um, it's just Avery handled that very well, in my opinion, because like the way that I would have handled it, it's just like, yeah, I'm probably just going to ignore all of you guys no matter what you did and all of that. But I think it also helped that Mr. Hawthorne kind of left this string of clues for all of them to follow. Like each of the each of the grandsons and Avery got an envelope and then they they all had to work towards this one mystery. And that kind of helped with uh, dealing with those social problems of being thrown into the family. But then there's also like the parents and the aunts and all of that of these people. And it's just kind of interesting to see how Avery deal, dealt with those problems. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's really interesting to see the way she deals with having no money and then suddenly having, you know, enough money she never could spend at all in her life. Um, but I also really enjoyed this, like, family dynamic because she had to live with the family for an entire year after um, she gets, she has to live with the family for an entire year before she can get the inheritance. And it's just, like, this interesting idea of, like, you have to live with this family and get along with them. You know, granted, the house is humongous, so, like, I guess everybody could just, like, retreat to their own wing, but she has to live with this family that, by no decision that she ever made, basically, she stole all their money because they thought that they were going to be inheriting. Even though that wasn't really the case, you know, I'm sure that's how a lot of the family felt. And it's just interesting to see the way each of the family members deals with that kind of social dilemma that they're in. And like some of them, like some of the grandsons take it super well, but um, some of the aunts and uncles like really don't take it well. You know, they even try to kill her, um, you know, which I would put on the does not take it very well category. Yeah, there's a lot of very interesting aspects of that because then Avery was also kind of thrown into a completely new school environment where like she was thrown with all of these other rich kids, but she also didn't grow up with that kind of lifestyle of like always having that much money. So she just... It was kind of very interesting to see how she interacted with this new group and how she struggled to adjust to this group too. Yeah, especially so close to the end of high school where you're like deciding what what comes next after this to basically be like, do I still go to college? Because that's what I thought I'd do forever, but I don't really need to. You know, there's just all of that. It's just like, it's such an interesting place to try to imagine yourself being in those shoes. And I think that that's something that's fun about this book is just to think about like, well, what if that ever happened to me? And I mean, I think that the chances of this happening to anybody are, are pretty slim, but you know, it'd be pretty cool. So um, yeah. Yeah, and then kind of the last thing that I have about this book is that it, it at the very end, it really just leaves off with a big overall mystery unsolved of like, why did Avery inherit all of this money instead of the family? Like, there's just that big mystery that's left unsolved. So there's that, but you still kind of feel satisfied after reading the first book in the series because you, you kind of figure out what's going on with the Emily storyline. And that I think the Emily storyline story was the more central part of this book, whereas they wanted to dive deeper into the actual, like, why did Avery inherit all this money except for the family in the, in the following books? So I thought that was just kind of really interesting, too. Yeah, the way this book is laid out, there's um, a few different subplots that are very heavy. So it's almost like you have a book with like two or three main plots happening at the same time. And so at the end of this, when the big mystery, the big question throughout the whole book is not answered, but the rest of these things kind of get wrapped up and you kind of can see what's going on. Um, I don't feel like you walk away like, well, that was totally pointless. Why did I even read this thing? Um, but it still leaves you like with this question, which is probably why you started reading the book in the first place. And so it's kind of interesting. And for me, like that really did hook me in. I figured it would be like a little while before I picked up the second and third books or whatever. But as soon as I finished the first one, I was like, well, I kind of need the second book just so I can get this out of my mind and just kind of move on. And you know, I have finished all of the books that are out right now. And I'm actually, um, you know, after the third one, everything is kind of wrapped up pretty clean. Kind of has the option of like, well, maybe we could do more, but we don't have to. Um, but that book that's going to come out later this year, um, I'm pretty excited about. And um, I'm looking forward just to see like how does this story continue to grow. Um, so for me, I also gave this book five worms, and I probably will be picking it up again. Yeah, I feel like that once you 
once you start the series, you might as well just finish this one because one, the books aren't really all that long. Like they're they're roughly around three hundred plus pages, but it's not extreme like Dune where it's eight hundred pages for each book. So and like it's interesting throughout the entire thing. So um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to finish the series soon, but I've got to finish the book that I'm currently reading right now. Well, another thing that's nice about this one is you don't have to pick it up in long sessions. If you picked it up and read like a chapter here, or you know maybe sat down and read for like twenty minutes, I don't really think you'd be missing a lot. Whereas there's a lot of books, you know, and Dune's one of those that you really want to you really want to do it proper. You got to like sit down and like get yourself enough time to like get back into the world. But this it's close enough to our world, and you know it's 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 just not that heavy of a book. Um, so you can kind of pick up for short bits. All right, so now we are going to move on to our uh, discussion points for this book. So the first thing that the first point that we wanted to bring up were the plot twists, and one of the biggest ones that both Harrison and I really wanted to talk about was the main plot line of Emily and, and how the Hawthorne family is related to her, and all of that. Yeah, so Emily's story is pretty interesting. We find out pretty early in the book that basically there was this girl who got really close to um, some of the grandsons, and then shortly after that, this girl died. And we find that we find this out because a lot of people are warning Avery about hanging around the Hawthorne boys too much, and um. You know, that's kind of like how this starts. And then throughout the whole book, there's like these little things that happen that will add to the story just a little bit more. Like we find out that Emily's parents actually live on the Hawthorne estate. So like that adds to another element. And then her um, sister also goes to school. And you know, there's a lot of these things that are just this like storyline keeps adding to and you slowly find out more and more information. But we're kind of led to believe that the um, that the Hawthorne boys killed her, like that something happened that it's their fault and that they died. And one of the, the first twists that really happens with Emily is we find out that she had a heart condition. And so... Um, Basically, she had a heart condition and she wanted to do like these really exciting things. People told her not to do it and she ended up going cliff diving and that is what killed her. And so we find out this information and then we continue on through the book a little bit more, you know, and we kind of like abandon this idea that the Hawthorne brothers basically killed her. And then we find out the story from Jameson's point of view, where basically he was around when she went cliff diving. She dove into the water and was struggling to swim and like get her head above water and just was having a hard time in the water. And he thought that she was joking. So he didn't really do anything. And then he realized he's like, oh, this is going on like way too long. Like there's no way she was joking. And so then he goes to help her and is basically too late. She doesn't drown, but she ends up having an issue with her heart and dies right there. But Jameson is with her. And so this like thing just like keeps going over and over again. It's like this one plot point that throughout the whole entire book, we're slowly adding more. You kind of like twist it a bunch of different ways. And it's hard just to know what we're really thinking on. Avery is constantly thinking about uh, like, is this what Jameson did with Emily all the time? Like she just kept on comparing what she did with Jameson because uh, Avery and Jameson, who is one of the grandsons of Mr. Hawthorne, they, they spend a lot of time uh, working on this mystery together and um and then she finds more out about emily throughout the entire story from other people too so uh, uh avery's constantly thinking about like am i just becoming a, another version of emily and then there's this whole thing where um one of the girls was related somehow to to the hawthorne to someone who worked for the hawthorns and this girl ended up making avery look like emily for one night and that kind of caused um avery to freak out because she thought that, that she was becoming emily in like jameson's eyes and even grayson's eyes too so there's just a lot of plot twists that came along with emily and how avery and emily seem to start to parallel each other yeah, what I like about this twist or, um, you know, this plot point is that um, throughout the whole book, this is kind of used as like a way to view these characters and like, try to figure out like, are the Hawthorne brothers good? Are they not? And you just are constantly like in this limbo of like, who are these people? And because this point keeps existing and it keeps changing on you, it makes you rethink your perspective on these characters, which I'm sure Avery is doing in these situations because she doesn't know these people, you know? And so um, I just think that this, like this thing, it's, it's used really, really well um, throughout the whole entire book and is really very interesting. Um, but it's one of many different kind of twists or surprises that show up throughout this book. So um, one of the twists that happens at the very end is um, that Avery actually knew Mr. Hawthorne, that she had met her, that she had met him one time. So we're kind of led to believe the entire book that Avery has never met Mr. Hawthorne before. She's never even um, seen him, doesn't know anything about him. And then at the very end, she's able to recall this one instance where she did see him at a diner and it just was a very weird encounter. Um, and so that plot point was kind of, kind of interesting and um, kind of helps to answer the larger question of why did Avery get all this money? So uh, one day when Avery was really young and she and her mother were eating at a diner, Mr. Hawthorne was walking he was just passing by uh, avery and her mom's table and he just kind of overheard avery's name right yeah so he overhears the name and he's like very intrigued you know he's just saying like oh that's a very interesting name and just wants to know a little bit about avery like how old she is and you know, all this stuff and so um it's kind of an interesting thing that we don't get to see like the full twist kind of play out in this book that 
we don't get to see fully played out in this book, like that Mr. Hawthorne actually knew Avery. And so it kind of takes a lot of the things that you've read so far in the book, you know, about why could he have given this money to her, and it makes you rethink them again. And so it doesn't make you like throw everything away. It's not like Avery wakes up and it's a dream, you know, none of this really happened, but it's still like this big twist of like, okay, so she may not have knew him, but he knew her. So why does he know her? How long does he know her? And is it really this big, like risky move just to give her all of this money or not? Because maybe he knows a lot more about her than what we are able to see. And so it's kind of an interesting way that like right at the end, it kind of makes you rethink all of these points, you know, a second time. And then that also kind of leads into the interesting plot twist of Harry, who was the uh, homeless person that Avery um, would play chess with and would um, gamble on like giving Harry breakfast for a day for that morning or uh, any of that going on and how Harry is actually Toby and Toby who was who was supposed to be dead because of a fire. So um, that was also kind of very interesting and how Mr. Hawthorne might have actually known more about Avery than um, than what Avery thought because Harry was there the entire time. So then you also have that question of Toby, who is his son, is actually alive. <laughs> and is and did he really want Toby to be the one who's watching Avery and just telling him all of that? So like you kind of get another mystery at the end of this book when Toby's actually Harry and Harry has a good relationship with Avery and all of that. So like did Toby help with the switch of, of finding out if Avery is like the right person for Mr. Hawthorne to leave his inheritance to? And it's interesting because this kind of intertwines the world. Before, it was just like the Hawthorne world and Avery's world, and they were separate. Nobody knew anybody across this. But now we find out that Mr. Hawthorne knew about Avery, and Avery knew Toby, but didn't know that she knew that. You know, and it's also interesting because Toby, you know, like went missing before any of the grandsons were born. So like they don't really remember him at all. And um, you know, it's just kind of interesting because she has memories of them. And then um, you know, it, it's interesting. And um, you know, I won't try to spoil any of the other books, but it's something that becomes a big deal in the uh, second book. You know, like so now this person that's a stranger to the family actually knows somebody um, maybe even better than what the family does. Um, so it's just kind of like this. Interesting dynamic. All right, so then the next discussion point that we would like to talk about today um, is just the inheritance in general. And um, we we noticed that throughout this book, I'm sure you guys did too, is that the inheritance was really more than just money. Avery didn't just inherit all of that money and all of that. She ends up inheriting, like, on top of the money, she inherits the family situation and um, and the and the boys also inherit skills throughout um, their time with Mr. Hawthorne, their grandpa. So um, <clears throat> so we, got, we, we kind of found that the inheritance just ended up meaning more than just money. Yeah, I think that when you think about inheriting things, and you know, especially in the situation where you have a billionaire, you know, it's so easy to think about the money side of it, you know, like this stuff that is given to you, but it's it's really easy to kind of blow past all this other stuff that she's inheriting. Like, it's awesome that she inherits billions and billions of dollars, but she also inherits like a pretty rough, like, like a uh, family situation around her. Like she has to deal with the Hawthorne family, you know, we got all this stuff like we talked about earlier with Emily, which, um, you know, on top of all that with just the boys trying to deal with that. And I mean, she's not responsible for the boys, but um, she's certainly not trying to cut them out of her life. And so she's got to deal with that. But also like Emily's parents live on the Hawthorne property. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things where people compare her to Emily. And um, so like that kind of causes like a little bit of um, a little bit of tension there. Then you also have that like um, the grandsons are still trying to figure out a lot of stuff in their life. Like one of the grandsons is supposed to take over the foundation after Mr. Hawthorne was gone. And he's been like trained for that forever. And that's like what he wanted to do. And now that's gone. And, you know, for her, she also inherits a lot of these problems of like, okay, so um, Mr. Hawthorne didn't feel comfortable leaving this thing to his family. So uh, here I am, a total stranger. He decided that me, a total stranger, is better off to deal with this huge amount of money, this foundation, that I'm, I'm better off to deal with that than his own family. Um, and just like that whole dilemma is interesting. But she doesn't inherit the relationships with all these people. And that's what we see most of the book, her trying to figure. So then the other thing that we wanted to talk about that um, kind of plays in this role of inheritance is that the boys have inherited all of these skills as well from their grandfather. So they so they have all of these tools to become successful on their own. So like in part of the book, um, I believe it's Jameson and Avery, they were just talking about, Jameson was talking about his life with his grandpa. and um, it came up that every year um, Mr. Hawthorne would pay for um, each of the grandsons to just learn something completely new that they're interested in. But the only thing is that they would have to stick with it for a year. And then at the end of the year, they would have to like show him what they did. And they would work on this like kind of project, even though it wasn't a project um, throughout the entire year. And then at the end, they would show the grandpa what they worked on. And like that just helped them build up all of these skills to help them like go into certain careers or uh, just like find out more about themselves. So that, that's kind of also a neat thing about the inheritance concept in this book. 
Yeah, and the boys also like inherit not just the skills, but they also like inherit this like way of thinking, this like view on everything. Because there are some things that like Avery isn't, um, you know, just looking for like with these clues. So she doesn't view the whole world as a game, and but the boys do. So every single thing they see, they're like, oh, like what could this mean? And they're like looking into things way more. And it's just it's interesting. Um, and I think that even though, um, you know, at the beginning of this, it's very easy. To be like, oh, well, the family didn't get anything. Like they, they totally didn't get anything at all. It all went to Avery, but they did. They they got to live this life of having money for a while, and there are things that they gain from that that cannot be taken away because the money was given um to somebody else. All right, so now it's that time. We have finished the inheritance game, so now it's time to find out the book of the month for July. So Ender's Game is a renowned science fiction novel which is set in the future where humanity is battling an alien threat called the Buggers. This story follows Andrew Ender Wigan, who is a young prodigy chosen by the military organization, the International Fleet. Ender undergoes intense training at the Battle School in Space, utilizing his exceptional intelligence and, strate and strategic skills. By using all of these skills, he is able to rise through the ranks at a very young age and at a very fast pace, making him a crucial figure in humanity's fight against the Buggers. However, he faces moral dilemmas and psychological tests that blur the line between hero and villain. This novel delves into themes of war, manipulation, and the sacrifices made for victory. We will be discussing this book on July 19th. And that brings us to the end of the episode. You can find The Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore bookworm collective and on Facebook at The Bookworm Collective. Feel free to message us what you're currently reading or your thoughts on this book. Thanks for listening.